So this is Dean Guido. I'm one of the hosts of the Fitness Devil podcast. And funny story is that my computer didn't actually record the podcast we had with Chad Hargrove. So being the fact that it's Wednesday, our podcast released Thursday, and it's 10 p.m., and the podcast gets released in two hours, Andrew and I have to come up with something. So we figured... Um, some of you may not know us as well as you want to. Some of you may know us way too well. But one of the things is we touch on a few things in our podcast, and I thought today would be a good opportunity to kind of talk about us, talk about our year in summary. We've had a lot of crazy shit happen, and I'm just going to call Andrew, and we're going to do this thing. So I'm going to see if this works. I don't know if it's going to work. My phone's plugged in, and I'm going to hit call, and then we're going to try to do this off the cuff and see what happens. Shut up and sit down. And it should ring. Hell yeah, we got ringing. Hey, brother. Hey, brother. What I want to say is that you are live. I want to say live, <laughs> but then live is weird because this is going to be recorded. But yeah, so we're man. not live. I kind of, yeah, all it is, I, I hit record and I was like, I gave him the spiel. I was like, I'm going to hit call, hit call. And I kind of told him, like, I fucked up. Sort of. My <laughs> computer fucked up. And that we are just going to do a podcast talking about kind of what's been going on and shit. Does that make sense? Oh, that works great. Yeah. Now, how's my mic? Your mic's coming even... in actually really good. Um, it's not as good as if you were here, but my, my voice is going to sound better on this one. So if you can get over that. No, that's fine. I mean, if you didn't fuck up with your hard drive, then we'd be okay. We wouldn't have to do this. But... I know. And it is working. <laughs> so for anyone who doesn't know, when we record the podcast... We do this little program and these bars go up and down. This kind of say our voices are here and there and I can see it's recording. And today it wasn't actually doing it. And it was recording and stopping and recording and stopping. And we're in the middle of this podcast and I was like, uh, it seems weird, but I don't know. Like maybe it's just my computer's slow and Andrew could kind of see it. And then at about, was it, we were like an hour in and you like you like called me out. You're like, what's, what's with that look on your face? Like, don't worry about it, man. <laughs> this look of like mild hair and I'm like, of course. I figure, all right, something's not working. It's not nope. recording. So <laughs> we've uh, <laughs> wasted an hour of uh, Chad's time. But Poor yeah, Chad. So, yeah, our buddy Chad Hargrove. So guys, if you are, <laughs> obviously we're, we're, we're not live, but we're, we're recording. So you're hearing this. Uh, our buddy Chad Hargrove is fantastic. He puts out all this great information on the social media. Go and follow him on Facebook or Chad Hargrove one on Instagram. So he's really, really super. Uh, we'll have him we're going to get him on the podcast soon. Yeah, we'll have him on. But, so basically so we're going to talk about, great. yeah, we, we, we talked about nutrition, his, his whole uh, intro to training and how he got into online training. We just basically talked about infographics, online coaching, and we're not going to talk about any of those. Well, we might talk about a little bit. <laughs> like we, like we literally got it all out today. It was awesome. And then it'll never be heard except for in our brains. And we'll do it all over again and be like, oh, fuck, this isn't as good as the original. No, no it's exactly what's going to happen. We're going to like literally, it's going to be weird and fumbly because we have to have new questions. On, well, no. Nah. <laughs> no, it's well, same, same questions see. to see if we can read. We got, I got like 15 minutes of that one. I'm totally not going to release it. Mm, nah. Uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to go over just kind of a bit of a year in review. Like we spend all our time talking with our guests. And it doesn't always leave us more than just little, little pockets to allude to various things about our, 
our careers or what's been going on this year. So anyone who's listened to all of the episodes probably pieced in some things or anyone knows us personally knows a bit more. So uh, <laughs> I guess we can start with the fact that in December, late December last year, I left the company that I used to work for for six years uh, due to some some problems that I, I grew tired of and I was no longer able to, to deal with some of the circumstances I was dealing with. And I decided I was going to go private. So uh, the owner of Evolve Strength in Edmonton, uh, John Chung, and we'll get him on the on here later on. He's oh, great. Yeah. He'd approached me, oh God, a year prior to that, uh, hoping that I would come over. So I said, no, no, I've got a good setup, but I really appreciate the offer. And he left it open. So uh, one day uh, I went over and sat down with him because I was a little frustrated with some shit. And <laughs> we won't talk about that. <laughs> No, we will, actually. I was, I was suspended yes. for, I, Oh, yeah, I was suspended for something I didn't do. I was accused of something that was later essentially shown what was really going on. And there weren't necessarily any real formal apologies, but a lot of stuff. The manager got fired. He got removed because he was uh, sexually harassing staff and members. <laughs> and uh, some of the coworkers were problems, and they were lying. And another guy got demoted. Another girl got banned from the club. And... A lot of crazy shit. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. So it's a shit a storm. Basically, basically they're like, and, and like the way you explained it to me, like basically a bunch of shit hit the fan, and like you were perfectly, you were perfectly happy, but you kind of saw some things. But then just, well, all I always, yeah, I, I was tired of of inappropriate behavior by uh, coworkers. I was uh, tired of unprofessional things. I was tired of inappropriate sexual behavior and commentary coming from all sorts of things, and and just like. It was just really pervasively problematic. And unfortunately, you see this stuff at commercial gyms. I was talking to two friends of mine tonight who work at a completely different company in a different gym, and the bullshit going on in there. You got uh, people, kids working there, uh, smoking pot on shift, and all kind. Oh God, yes, and all kinds of other stupid crap. So it's like (laughs) sometimes these environments aren't bad, but I don't want to paint all these gyms in a bad light because. There's a lot of really great ones and a lot of really caring, passionate people just so happen to get fed up with it. I so yeah. <laughs> I turned around and decided, all right, I'm going to go work for myself. Uh, I'm going to contract. I paid a small amount of rent every month to get to be at Evolve Strength. And I work with a, in an environment with a lot of really professional, like-minded people who do their own thing. And, you know, it's not devoid of it's literally imperfections, but honestly, it's pretty fucking amazing. So yeah, it's been a really... I was gonna say what I would I would explain to people because like again not everyone's from Edmonton but like what is Evolve because like that that's probably one of the biggest selling points of your move was the fact that yeah. Evolve is what it is which is what is it? It's you know I I'd like to think it's pretty much one of the premier athletic facilities in Edmonton. It's a powerlifting gym, an Olympic weightlifting gym, and very very conducive to general population training. Uh, Ten thousand square feet of open floor space yeah. with. Platforms upon platforms. There's about 30 different places you could actually squat from in racks. Uh, there's open turf. I think it's like 20 meters of turf, uh, lengthwise. And there are physiotherapists and massage therapists and other people in the offices who are all private business owners and about, mm, just shy of 20 independent trainers that work in the facility. So it's fantastic. And Andrew's the, <laughs> and Andrew's the biggest the, one. You are. Uh, physic, physically Phys- largest. Absolutely. Uh, Shane Martin's a big boy, although I'm taller. He's got a yeah. way better bed rest and squat and everything than me. <laughs> he's a he's a big dude. Don't Nick, let him know. Actually, Nick, Nick Polyuk's taller than me too, although I weigh more. So, okay. but yeah, so there's a few big people. Ty. But um, I 
might be the busiest person in there. I'm the one who does the most sessions, but some of them have other things that they do with their time. And for so. other people who don't know Andrew, which he, he may tell you because he, he likes to tell you, but like he works, he works so many sessions in a month. Like it was, it, it, it's like 40 plus, which is, I don't know if you, anyone who's used to training or being anything physical is like, that's a lot of time well, a, a invested. Month, like, a month. This year, I actually average 125 per month. So that's actually technically under 40 hours a week of actual training. But if you figure cancellations, all the other stuff that goes into it's it. It's nuts, though. Like, for a trainer's life, it's still pretty nuts. Like, I taught yeah. for a living before this. And, like, I guess you could call it 40 hours a week. And it was probably, like, 50, 60 when you tie in coaching and, and volunteer yeah. work and all that stuff. And I was not, like, and now that switching in the training, I was not near as tired and mentally trained as I am training because like yep. training you're all in for that hour it's not like a little bit here hand mm-hmm. some stuff with the kids teach here when you like not when you want to but it was less dynamic mentally and physically than it was training so that's freaking impressive and i don't sit down i actually refuse i no, you pace yes and yes i know I trainers who do sit i hate seeing trainers sit i think here's a really really big thing if we've got any trainers listening to this or any potential clients if you see a trainer in a commercial gym or anywhere who is, they're sitting down. It can send a signal that this is someone who is lazy or unprofessional. It doesn't necessarily mean that they are. However, as a trainer, you have all eyes on you in a facility. So it is wise to avoid doing things that appear to potentially, or in the eyes of some, could be unprofessional. Like, for example, having your phone out or using it for anything because the phone looks like you're texting. Uh, another thing is do not turn your back to your clients. Don't take your eyes off them while they're doing sets and reps. Don't turn and talk to the attractive young woman that's nearby while your client is performing something, especially if you completely turn your posture away. <laughs> you know, People may not realize that is your other client or another trainer in there or a member that you're being really nice to, but the eyes on you think that you're flirting with that girl. So, And I would see tons of this kind of shit in the past, and like more than... You know, trainers sleeping with clients was a particularly problematic behavior that I have no time for whatsoever, and, and that was happening. Well, and so, it, even <laughs> I all these things. Shit. Well, I, I got kind of pointed to it somewhat from your Facebook post before I was kind of in it, and now I'm almost to the point where I like look at other people's Instagram videos and I'll see shit like that. And like, I think I texted you that one day, I'm like, did you see this? Whole different story. There was a context behind it, but it's that yeah. whole what's visual and what people see is usually their first impression or an impression that could go unchanged. So like looking like you're on your cell phone, you could be looking at a timer, but to them you're on Facebook or texting or whatever. Right. So it comes off exactly poorly. And it's perception. And I mean, most of the fitness professionals we know aren't as busy as they want to be. They're not. So, and this is something I've always said to young trainers that I've mentored or who were, you know, at the old club or whatever. It doesn't matter what you're actually doing. It is what matters is what people perceive that you're doing. And <laughs> there's just so many of these behaviors, but this is another, uh, there's a rabbit hole. And yeah, what, what are we talking about? <laughs> we're talking about my switch to Evolve. So let's summarize this. So this doesn't happen uh, at Evolve I, ever because Andrew works there. No. He's, he's tirelessly policing it and no, no, they know. No, I don't, I'm I don't joking. police shit in there. I'm no, I don't joking. police shit in there. They, they can do whatever the fuck they want. It's, we're not wearing the same uniform, not the same business. They're, I get along with them all. They're my competitors. I'll, I'll argue this though, because yeah. at Andrew, <laughs> you, you like you're kind of famous for like calling shit out. Is that they know you work there, and people people know what you're doing. I guarantee that some of your rants have come off a little bit, and if they see you, they'll they won't be the ones who get caught doing it. Does that make sense? If You've influenced some, it a little bit some, locally, I think. 
some that very very true i've definitely influenced in a very big way locally for the people who already have that passion or professionalism ingrained and they're just a little bit more on their toes but the people who don't give a shit they dismiss it right yeah you know the kid the, the kid that i know who slept with like 10 of his clients you know, no amount of this kind of shit is ever going to change that kind of behavior. It's just, it's not. So uh, these people don't give a shit. And I just hope that clients can see the difference and they're smart about who they choose as their professionals because you paying commercial gym trainers is fucking expensive. I actually slightly reduce my rate and I make more per hour just by coming over to Evolve. So we've had a year of uh, a a fantastic year. Uh, My clientele, I mean, I basically honored all my commitments with the old company and I didn't leave any clients in a position where they were stuck having to go with another trainer uh, because there were no other trainers in that facility who had who were like me or my skill set or my clients wouldn't have really been happy but assigned to someone else so I just left them in a situation where I honored everything had the integrity to honor that some people might like but oh you you stole your clients you took your clients well first of all their relationships I built over the years they were largely all my referrals I was completely independent I never took sales from the company and then <laughs> I left with not leaving the company with a whole bunch of pissed off uh, clients, and they were free to choose as they wanted to do it. And we all knew what they were going to do. They were all going to come anyway, and they all did. Yeah. So, you know, I had a great, great start to the year, and it built up, and I gained tons of new referral business. And we had a really super successful first year doing this. I'm excited for year two, and it's given me a ton of freedom to do a lot more. I can run boot camps, uh, just, and I have the space to do it, uh, and you know, and just. Let, let people pay whatever they, you know, the, the certain rate that I'm charging. Whereas, you know, the old thing, there was a system. Yeah. And I could have one of my clients, one of my good buddies, I could do distance coaching with him. He's in town once in a while. He can drop in. He doesn't have to have a membership. He can buy a single session from me. Really easy, no hassle. And, and there's no headache. And the fact that there's no membership, $50 a month, no contract, which is fucking super amazing. Uh, you don't have these complex set of appointments that you have to go through for new members, the general manager. Like I just love the system so much more. And I actually encourage other trainers, you know what, develop the skill set to be independent and get out in this kind of environment and just get away from the, the big box gyms. Once you've had the experience, I mean, it's a good place to start and learn, but you know, they're not the way of the future in this business anymore. Well, especially because like, like you say, you talk about the processes and like your buddy's going to have to go do a sales pitch and get pressured to buy sessions and all that stuff and you you can cut out the middleman and and run your business how you want you could still do that if you wanted to on your own like it it would be weird and inauthentic but i think that going out on your own gives you that freedom to kind of run your business the way you want to run it and and ideally it's going to benefit the end user at the end of the day absolutely and there's tons of trainers who have very different business models than what i do because mine still is sort of similar to the the way i learned it but because it works for me but there's other people who do totally different things and having that freedom is great. So now you might as well kind of give people a rundown, you know, cause like I'm, I'm in year, I'm on my eighth year now. I'm doing this seven years. Yeah. You just started this shit this year <laughs> for all intents and purposes. Yeah. Like, and I guess we talked about this on Shane's podcast, but it's just that whole idea of, I didn't, I don't want to say I didn't go out trying to be a trainer. Cause I always love training. I went to university for recreation of Zed and I always thought I was going to be a trainer. And then, I guess the back step a little bit. I was playing university football, so I'm pretty high end level athlete. You know, when I'm competing, I'm working out, I'm doing all these things. I love sports, I love working out. And then, so <laughs> to continue, weird story. So to continue playing football, like I'm done university at this time. Like I'm, I had an injury, so I had four years plus a free extra year because of my injury. So I have two years left of eligibility, and I have nowhere 
well, I liked the school life. I liked learning. I liked playing football. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to continue playing football because at that point I was still able to be drafted. So I was ranked one of the top 50 players to be drafted. Um, so that kind of lit a fire in my ass to kind of, you know, continue playing. So I guess I'm staying in school. What better way to stay in school than to become a teacher? You know, it's one of those things where I liked coaching. I like coaching football. So I like teaching people and teaching people how to get from point A to point B and they'll find something better in their life because of me or they'll learn something because of me. So it was a natural progression to that. So basically I went to school to become a teacher. I played football to go pro. Um, when plan A to be a pro football player <laughs> went, went out the window <laughs> with a knee injury, a poor season and a hip surgery to kind of end the whole shebang. I was beaten, broken, and right into the teaching world. You know, man. And so look at look at how far-reaching the your your career it promises to be. It already has, but you know, it's still in its infancy in the grand scheme of things. How much you'll of an impact you'll have? And let's say you had a you know a three four year or CFL career. Fuck NFL, you would have made some money, but uh, CFL career. And you know that's great. Our friend Jeff Heck is is a very successful CFL player awesome. with a great cup ring and. And, you know, what is he? Jeff's like 31 or 32 now, and he's still playing. And we'll bring him on the show eventually because he's a really smart guy. We'll, we'll try to get him to be a but, trainer. <laughs> exactly. And he's going to transition this role. But, I mean, you know, how many of these guys did that and that was their to- whole identity? And well, know, I think the one thing for me, not- even if I continue this story, is that um, I want to say football was my identity for so long. But there was somewhere near the end of my career um, when I was coming back from my knee injury is that, um, so anyways, I was out for a whole season because I had a tumor on my knee, I had to have knee surgery. Um, long story short, as I came back and like, I have two years left. So I'm kind of at the tail end of my career and there's a bunch of young guys coming up. So I had to fight for my position to get back. Like I, I haven't played football for a year. And it was kind of in that process of earning my job back that I realized that I didn't, I didn't not love football. And I think it was my last year. Anyways, it wasn't that I didn't love football and it wasn't my identity. I just loved competition. I loved competing. I loved being the best. And I actually had like a moment where like I was in the middle of practice and I, I came back. I knew I earned my starting position back and I had this just great day. And I, I literally remember sitting there. I'm like, I don't care if I play football another day in my life. Like I'm just happy I was able to overcome this injury and prove to everyone that I wasn't fucking done. And it kind of changed my trajectory because at that point I was already not going to get drafted. I, I was playing football to end it on my terms. And I started not caring if I played football or not, weirdly enough. So my identity was never tied into football. It was tied into myself being better or best or proving people wrong, which is positive and negative at the same time. But it, it's served me well, I would say. It's got you where you are right now. Yeah. And like, so, which, yeah. <laughs> Well, it, Which is L2 and being a coach over at L2. Yeah, and like so basically I taught for four years. So just to skip over my teaching career, I, I, I taught for four years. I kind of had some contract shit at the end come up, which just forced me to make a decision on which way I wanted to go. And and because I was involved with certain people, um, I knew I needed to be training and coaching because I just liked it more than teaching. And to me, I thought it was teaching anyways. So the second I had an opportunity to kind of transition out, I just went back into the sub pool, taught. Metal too, which I'll kind of breeze over. Um, mm-hmm. And then I trained and taught. And then I trained more than I taught. And then I dropped teaching altogether because I just was doing so well so fast. And um, that's kind of where my story, the training starts, which wasn't that far away. I think that was like February, March, 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 March last this year. Jesus, we're not even the new year. 
So like I've literally no. been training eight months and a lot of the skills I had before um, kind of just transferred right over and I just hit the ground running when I met Lauren Landon. Well, anyone who interacts with you would think that you're someone who's been in the business for years with the skill set, knowledge, and the way you approach this. You've also been very fortunate that you very quickly surrounded yourself with a lot of really yeah. smart, very capable people. Like, again, Landon, Laura, and Anthony Harder at L2. Um, and, and then, yeah. you know, you got other people like Jordan Jeske around you. And then obviously yeah. this whole podcast is net, networked well, with and, you with a lot more of people, a lot of my friends and people have been doing really well. And it's just going to explode. Well, and you, yeah. at your seven year mark, are going to be so far well, ahead. And, where I and one of the right weird things is like, um, so for those of you who don't know what L2 is, L2 is a gym fitness facility owned by Lennon and Laura. Um, they're just L2, but they opened up this huge facility. Like, I think it's like, it's, it's, it's huge, um, brand new gym. And then we kind of built that new gym together, but they, like I said, I connected myself with the right people right off the get go. And I kind of breezed over the fact, I don't even think I talked about powerlifting, but like I was a competitive powerlifter for those four years I was teaching and I won like four national championships. And like, I got really deep in that world. I was part of the 10 Tony life team with Brian Carroll. So I was already connected with people that were kind of industry leaders in certain areas. So I, I felt like I was already doing it. I was already coaching powerlifting. I was part of powerlifting teams. I was already coaching and teaching and writing articles. I was already knees deep in fitness um, in terms of a very specific fitness niche, but I was doing it constantly and putting out content and information and doing logs and all that as being part of a sponsored lifter. And it was just, it was such an easy transition because all I had to do was take all that stuff I learned to be the best in one sport and apply the coaching methodology and the teaching practices I had as an educator and just combine the two and, and just hit the ground running as a trainer. Like it literally took me one month and I felt like I, like I just knew that I was meant to do this essentially. And it was much easier to live life when I was doing something I liked and getting paid for it. You know what I mean? Uh, absolutely. And I don't think anyone who's never worked in the industry can quite understand what it's like. <laughs> some of the hours we have to keep because yeah. we're related to a lot of evening. Well, and, and a lot of people have a bad, um, I don't say attitude about well, yeah, it's a bad attitude about it because they'll get in the training and they won't make as much money as they thought they're going to make. They're going to think that training is going to lead to this <clears throat> huge industry leading job where you're coaching celebrities and professional athletes and you're getting millions of dollars. And it's not that you can't nope. get there, but it's a career that you have to um, invest time in. You have to look at your options and you have to look at it as more than a day-to-day hour-for-hour training job. And you have to see and expand your reach and do a lot of other things to make it that. And I think I saw that right off the get-go just from the people I've been involved with and my outlook on business and the bigger picture thinking. But a lot of people get into it thinking that they're just going to be millionaires or whatever. They're just going to be busy with clients and that's ain't how it fucking works. <laughs> and maybe I was old enough, like you, you started when you were in your early 30s and I started when I was almost 30 yeah. so I was old enough to realize that the world ain't fucking easy <laughs> you know what I mean no. and so that made it started, easy at the beginning you, you got lucky because you're starting at a much much tougher time the industry is a lot more saturated now there's way more trainers when I started there was really outside of a few very very established people there was no such thing popularized as online coaching that didn't exist yeah and that's true uh, you you had commercial, there were far less commercial gyms. There were virtually no boutiques or very, very few studios. They're just, every second fucking place around the corner, we don't cross it boxes, those didn't exist. Every second place around the corner didn't have a private training studio with a bunch of trainers or some guy like calling, what is my computer doing? It's making noise. Hang on. We got to turn this shit off. It ain't my computer my, this time. 
No, I'm my recording computer, you, so it's all good. My computer literally just like decided to start playing an episode of The Expanse, so that's what I've been watching lately. Not that I watch much. Are you TV. watching TV while doing this podcast, man? No, it was like literally the screen is turned sideways, and all of a sudden it just like started itself. It makes no sense. But even <laughs> so, though, but you're right though. Like the world has changed, and we live in Edmonton, so I guess the trends are going to be a little different than some other areas. But like, like we're pretty fitnessy town. Like we got a lot of aesthetic models, and we got big powerlifters, and like we have. There's people doing shit here, and the the landscape has changed drastically, even within the last two or three years, with a lot of these well, private gyms I've popping up heard. and things like evolve. I've heard this. I can't substantiate this with like a study, but I've heard that there's more trainers in Edmonton per capita than I, I, don't, I don't know if it's like anywhere other city in North America, which makes sense given the fact that we have a trade school that last, teaches it. Yeah, uh, Edmonton for the last like at least decade plus, and, and Alberta in general is one of the most economically prosperous. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, places in North America, so you're going to have more disposable income, which makes sense that you would see that. We, yeah, we have a thriving fitness community. It has different corners and, uh, and we've produced some semi-famous douchebags. <laughs> the, the douche ones tend to get the more broad street appeal. Is that Muppet that like curls his cat and does, uh, what? YouTube or, you didn't hear about this? Oh, cat? no, no. Yeah, he did. He, he, he was a good looking dude with muscles and yeah. liked to work out. And then he just started <laughs> in Instagram infancy, just started yeah. taking pictures with this cat and blew up because it was super easy to blow up back then. But he got muscles. Yeah. He looks half decent. He's got a cat and just fucking he, he, nuts. He, he looks like a slightly older Justin Bieber. Now, of course, someone's going to be like, oh, you're hating us. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, man. He's had no shirt off and a cat. Like, that's perfectly normal to make fun of, regardless of whether it's yeah. real or not. Like, that's the first thing <laughs> I would make fun of. <laughs> He's very good. And then we have this local piss-drinking imbecile running around talking about all kinds of insane extremist nutrition. And I, He's 120,000 likes on his page. I, I'm not People even going to draw people's attention to it. Yeah, I'm not going to say the name because he gets a little nuts about stuff, but there's there's some issues there. So, yeah, we have our charlatans, but and everybody was like, oh, these people are doing better. No, no, no. I have lots of famous industry friends who are doing extremely well who have integrity and I respect. So, no, it has nothing to do with that. Where are we going uh, with this? <laughs> we're just we're just bullshitting. Everybody else is just along for the ride on this one. We were just talking about you at L two and how like I love the facility. I love going over there when I can yeah. The I, time again, so I'm very a lot fortunate. Of our friends work out there. Yeah, I've just been fortunate. Like, um, so I linked up with um, Anthony and Jeremy, who's at Evolve, and and basically Anthony and I we just moved over to L two Fitness because we, we were doing a bunch of athletic business stuff together, and now we're two peas in a pod. We we don't we're never separated, and we kind of have just moved towards all the things we're doing together. He's mentored me, and then Lauren Lanavan mentored me, and then they built this nice fancy facility. Like I got it fucking easy, but I just had good friends, so it was really easy for me to connect to get in. Well, not not just anybody could do that either. You got to approach with uh, intelligence and maturity and professionalism. And you actually have to have a skill set on top of that also. Those guys are super picky about who they hire. I mean, they are theoretically looking for more people, but they're not in a rush to do that. And some kid who walks in with KenFit Pro, and again, I, I'm a KenFit Pro trainer. That's a piece of paper that lets me do this. I wouldn't learn everything on my own. Yeah. But some kid coming in with a passion for fitness and just KenFit Pro isn't going to well, get very It's far. just when you have, and, and again, Evolve is a little bit of a different model, but people think you go get training at a World Health. There's like, there's trainers there, but like at our gym, we're private and we have a very nice facility. And I, I want to feel like when people come there, they expect a little bit better than just, um, rookie 
I, you know, I mean, not that, not that a rookie can't do it well, but when they're paying more money to do training than they would at a big box gym, which where they would generally think they go, there's a little bit higher expectation. And, and with that, we just have to have the best people because the community we're trying to build is that we really want to be high end. We want to offer the best service. We want to be better than everyone in what we offer. And, and to be part of that, we just need the right people. And that's not going to be everyone. And unfortunately, not many people fit that mold and they're just really stingy on it. But we also all have to work together. And that whole identity relies on the fact that our team is fucking unreal and we can't have one bad apple i guess you could say and you can't bang heads with directly with the good lives and the no, la fitness and the world health of, of the city no. and you know that so that you guys take a different route you know it, both of our gyms are very much you know the boutique sort of thing and while there are definitely some similarities there are two very different business models and two different different setups but, uh, you know, it's, I, I think it's a way of the future. And I think, again, if there's any trainers listening, I think both are the way of the future. Wise, yeah. I think that it's wise to have a plan in mind to go out and build your own business, your own identity. In fact, if you're working for a commercial gym, you should very much be treating it like it's your own business, personally branding yourself, being very self-sufficient so that way you can pivot should you need to. You are still vulnerable to your employer and um, <laughs> despite my reputation, now I was lucky enough I was able to leave on my own terms, but due to some of the chaos I was dealing with, I mean, my job was endangered and, you know, I had dealt with these, just there's some people who can teach kept making up things because they were upset with me because A, I was doing quite well, but B, I stood in the way of their multi-level marketing pyramid scheme behavior. This is the origin of it all. This is the whole thing. And I detest that crap. <laughs> I can't stand to see it. These type of people, they don't tend to have a lot of morals or ethics when it comes to this. And they use places like commercial gyms to network and try to recruit people to sell for them so that way they have people under them who are making money for them. And they love commercial gyms because you have a lot of young, eager-minded people, and they have clients and friends who can be easily recruited or brainwashed into this particular type of cult or cult mindset. And I watched it take over a facility and ruin and ruin it and make it a really intolerable place only to watch most of it get purged some of it was left undealt <laughs> with like a, like any infection that you don't completely eradicate it comes back and i find that people involved with uh pyramid scheme they're very much like a virus <laughs> they're awful to deal with and the more i think anyone can relate are, to that and even if you again i'm sure this happens in every <laughs> are we going to go down the pyramid scheme at all well, we already sort of are. Okay, okay. So, my, so like, my, anyone can resonate with that, to, though. Like, if anyone asks you to go out for coffee that's, like, a mutual, like, not that great of a friend or an acquaintance, you're about to get pitched on how to make your life better and how to become an entrepreneur. Easily. Yeah. It's happening. And if anybody's listening to this who is involved in this multi-level marketing shit, which I would be surprised considering that anyone who knows me knows I hate the crap and they don't like me very much. Uh, you know what, and maybe you need to rethink this stuff, or maybe you need a good offending or whatever, because I mean, the statistics on people actually do well with these pyramid schemes are very, very poor, or herbal life is one of the worst. Oh, man. But there are plenty of other ones. And I just, you know what, if you're going to go do this shit, fine, go do it. I mean, like, I got a couple people on my Facebook right now who are all of a sudden, and they have no credibility and no experience in this industry, and they're both selling MLM shit. Yeah. Weight loss supplements. One is doing this keto coffee shit, 
Is that and a pyramid scheme it, too? Oh yeah. It's a, well, it's it's a piece within the big granddaddy. I'm not going to say it. Dad gets mad at me when I okay. when I call out this one particular awful company that we have a lot of problems with. So get pissed at me for it. So I'm going to try not to piss my dad off too much. He's a great guy. Sorry, but yeah, so it's it's peddling this garbage, and you know it's it's the same shit that you and I talk about a lot. Is it's perpetuating these false ideas of what works and what doesn't. No supplement whatsoever is going to help you with weight loss. You have to change lifestyle. You have to change your nutrition. Uh, being more active is very, very helpful. I'll probably write a piece actually on this. I've kind of got one half prepared that um, kind of um, dabbles um, on, on this. diet or, or mid-level marketing? Well, <laughs> the whole thing about these weight loss supplements and, and yeah, MLM. Honestly, it ends up being there, most but, of them because any of the ones that push their bias is usually the, yeah, the mid-level marketing ones like the <laughs> cleanse and the isogenics it's isogenics right that's pyramid there's a, a guy i like a lot who is right now all of a sudden he's selling isogenics and i'm just like face palm and like really like this guy so like you just i won't mess with it whatever but powder for fucking oh my God. it's like oh man but you know what again like they're really good people and i'm torn because like i really want to support people i believe are really awesome people are trying it's just that sometimes the the outlet avenue is not what I consider to be more. And I truly Again, think I am- like a lot of them get weaseled into it because like that's the whole point of mid-level marketing is like, I'm going to teach you yeah. how to be successful. And they're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, they don't actually know, like they just get, I'm not going to call them all suckers, but some people know yeah. what they're doing, but the people that know what they're doing are the ones that are making lots of money. Everyone else is fucking doing it for two months and then they're, they're done. Yeah, um, I mean, I remember, and I, I'm actually going to write, this will be in my thing I'm going to write, but back when Body by Vizalis was a booming oh, yeah. thing, when they were giving out the BMWs and all that, everybody remember that bullshit? Yeah, yeah this fucking garbage <clears throat> um, supplement or shakes that they were peddling. And I remember two very successful fitness competitors, bodybuilder types, whatever, uh, all of a sudden they were selling it out of nowhere and making claims, like explicitly saying this is, how I built my body. This is what I used to get my physique. One of the two was on a, a lot of steroids straight up. So that's bullshit. And the other one was a girl who, I mean, she trained for years and she was in great shape, great genetics. And again, oh yeah, claims, oh no, this is what, what I was using. I, I knew for a fact that they both just started peddling this garbage and quite quickly it disappeared and they just went about their business like it never happened. Clearly, it never worked out very well, but these are the kind of lies that people will perpetuate. But again, how is that any different from uh, Mr. Olympia saying, oh, uh, you know, muscle tech is all you need, bro. <laughs> Meanwhile, <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> man, are... I, does anyone actually believe that? Actually, you know what? You know what? They do. They do because they fucking buy it. We we believed that because we read the bodybuilding magazines. We bought. I I don't know if I ever did though believe that shit. Like you know what? That's not true. Did you ever buy BCAAs? uh, I did. So you know what? I definitely did. Um, Did you buy like? You know what? The biggest one was I. I I shouldn't like say I didn't believe it. So I bought Nitrix was the biggest one that I realized. You know what? It was right around Nitrix where I realized that it was full of shit because it worked. But it was those ones. Did you ever knew what Nitrix was? Is that the was, ones that actually had M1Ts? In no, no, no. It was it was just L-arginine. So basically, it was L-arginine oh. in capsule form. So you can imagine the amount you needed. You needed to take 14 caps per serving, and they were bigger than like two multivitamins. Anyways, these pill yeah. boxes would come in 360 tabs ones, and they would basically it's L-arginine. So you're just basically taking straight L-arginine before they started pumping it and everything, and you would get <laughs> like. A, 
vacillator. So you have to get pumps. It was <laughs> fucking sweet. And I loved it. But I was also like 17, 18 years old. And I remember like referring to that like two years afterwards. I'm like, man, I'm so fucking stupid. And I'm just going to buy protein. And um, I think it was super pump, but it was pre-workout. But yeah. so I definitely bought it I, thinking that I was going to huge. The only things I buy now are whey protein, powder, and creatine monohydrate. Because they're largely the only things that work. So uh, again, here's a lesson. Here's a takeaway. Don't buy multi-level marketing shit, especially if your friends all of a sudden are selling it online and those people aren't experienced, credible trainers or someone with a very high-level education in nutrition or human physiology. They don't and people do like that. People like that very, very, very rarely start selling this crap. So no, because they don't want to break their social equity. They, again, the fa- so even if you look at mid-level marketing and you're kind of new and blah, 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 it's blah. Multi- you multi-level have- marketing. Well, sorry. It's multi-level marketing. <laughs> is, it, is there a difference? I thought it was mid-level. Yes. What's I mid-level? I've never heard of that. I've never heard of that before. Um, multi-level marketing, MLM. So. Um, regardless, um, they, I think actually mid-level marketing is what, anyways, what people don't know is you you have to burn through your social capital of all your friends to actually make a deal or sale or get someone under you. And so essentially you got to, if you're wanting to do that shit, which I hope you're not, you wouldn't listen to this anyways, is that you, you have to call everyone in your Rolodex and your mom and your dad and your brother, and you're going to try to get them hooked on this shit. And like, you really want to do that? Your friends and family are going to hate you. And here's yeah, the thing no one's going to like you. They're all going to hate you. Here's what I've noticed. I am acquainted with a half a dozen people who are extraordinarily successful with pyramid schemes. The thing they all have in common is they generally have a soulless, almost Absolutely. sociopathic uh, attitude towards life and other people. And I've observed this, some of this stuff pretty closely, and it's pretty ugly shit. So if that's the road you want to take, you better be prepared to sell your soul to it. And quite frankly, the route we've taken for career success and integrity is a lot more fun. Feels way better. We have more friends this way. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. You have more friends. Because again, to do that, you literally have to think of people as objects or a means to an end, which is insane. Well, it's not insane, but it's kind of sociopathic a little bit. A little bit. Uh, I think so. Yeah. At least to be successful at it, right? To so be successful at it. I think there's it. a very strong correlation there if you want to look at the data. Is there data on sociopaths? <laughs> I don't connected? know. There, well, there, there, is, there actually is data on sociopaths and their prevalence in certain professions. For example, uh, CEOs, uh, oh, yeah, sur- yeah. surgeons, a handful of other things yeah. uh, have a higher percentage of sociopaths than the general population. Yeah. Because the myth is, I'm not going to defend sociopaths here, but if you read a book by Brett Bartholomew, who's a really amazing coach, it's called Conscious what, Coaching. I that's know what it was in. I knew I read it somewhere. Yeah. Brett's. Yeah. And so I got a signed copy. Brett was amazing, actually, when I met him down in Seattle. Uh, it actually talks about the dark triad of uh, personality traits. So if someone's not familiar with it, it's Machiavellianism, uh, sociopathy, and narcissism. And while, yes, they have negative connotations, in certain ways, these traits can... Like, we all have varying degrees of these traits. It doesn't mean that everybody is a narcissist or a sociopath. It's just that sometimes these traits can actually have positive outcomes if they're not done in extreme ways. So, And, and Brett actually talks about this in his book, how some of these talents can be useful in coaching. I mean, yeah. dealing with high-level high level athletes in his particular case. So in some cases, you have functioning sociopaths who are highly successful surgeons, highly successful CEOs, and they're generally otherwise benevolent in society. They're not all killing people or wear, walking around in suits made of human skin or any of this crazy shit, like <laughs> the Jeffrey Dahmer type. 
there are actually sociopaths in our society who are well, causing it, it's no like harm. narcissism for example like like again you can be a narcissist everyone fucking hates you but if you believe you're the best and you become successful because you're willing to do what it takes and you're like i'm the fucking man i only care about this this and this they end up being <laughs> super successful and that ends up being a positive quality because they've able to achieve certain things that allow to help people because they have well, that certain narcissism about them they lack the self-doubt yeah to uh, to apply themselves to certain situations and not to, to a course of action that in many cases has a very successful outcome. And I could see that being a very, very valuable quality in a surgeon. This is an interesting topic conversation. And of course, everybody's listening is like, what the fuck well, I think, are they talking honestly, about? Honestly, I'm looking at the time right now and like we're at 40 minutes, which is sick. I think we should uh, talk about um, how we even got to this podcast because we're like yeah. or 12 or 13 episodes. I don't even know. Like This will be 14. This, this is 14? Be 14. Mark, Fisher, Mark Fisher was 13. Yeah. And I have to, so, yeah, I have, I'm not editing this tonight. I'm literally just going to put the intro music on and slap it up. Um, I don't even know if yep. I'm going to do intro music. Maybe I will. I like it. No, you're going to put intro music on it. Okay. That's what's going to happen. So you'll be fine. Okay, I like yeah. the intro music. So, um, yeah, we will. Dean one day sent me a message and, and Dean and I knew each other, but we weren't all that closely acquainted. We hadn't known each other all that long. And, uh, you know, we got a long break. But, yeah, he sent me a message and said, hey, man, how would you feel about doing a podcast? And I'm like, what do you mean, like an episode or like an actual podcast? He's like, no, an actual podcast. I'm like, yeah, actually, I, I listen to tons of them. I always imagine the idea. Now, I don't possess the tech skills. Dean is the tech guy on this one. And so he suggested, I'm like, absolutely. Well, let's, even let's if we backtrack, it. I would even backtrack a little bit further than that. I guess because I... It, I want to say it was my idea. I would say that it was my idea to put us together, but essentially Andrew and I, like you said, we met, I think we met a few times. At, at, uh, sorry, at Evolve. It was yeah. as Evolve. I think I actually, we actually talked via Facebook. I, he, I, I, the community here is pretty close in terms of people that run in the same circles. And I knew a lot of people that knew you, blah, 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 blah. Um, and I think we talked about podcasts and <laughs> weirdly enough, and then we met at Evolve and it was because I was doing that keto experiment. So I'm yep. not a keto, um, what do you call it? Charlotte. Zealot. Zealot. Um, Zealot. But I wanted to try it in terms of applying that with powerlifting. I, I was in the off season and I wanted to see if certain things worked. And you know what? It worked fine. As good as any other diet. Um, it was easy to follow. But it caught Andrew's attention because I was kind of logging this whole journey and it was working. And he's just like, hey, you you did the keto thing. Like, let's talk about it. I think it was like literally like that. And we spent like... 10 minutes talking, then you did a set and I did a set and then we came right back and then you're like, I don't mean to like hold you up, but like we keep talking and I think we just like shot the shit about stuff and then it just became a mm -hmm. uh, friendship through that every once in a while on Facebook. Hey, did you see this podcast? Hey, did you see this podcast? If you haven't learned, Andrew is a very copious consumer of podcasts and books. So thus he becomes a very deep pool of knowledge for me, but he was always like pointing me in directions of things to look at and then... I'm listening to podcasts, not ones you recommended at that point, but I was driving to BC and I'm listening mm -hmm. and listening and listening. I'm like trying to figure out ways to expand my business and do things where I'm giving people information. And I was listening. I'm like, I could fucking do this. Like, this isn't that hard. You just get people on your podcast and you talk to them. Like, I already talked yeah. to my friends and guys like you. We're, like, we're talking about shit. Like, it's kind of valuable. It can be to the certain people. And I was like, I could fucking do this. Who would do this with me? Because I totally didn't want to do my. <laughs> I just didn't yeah. want to do it myself because I have tons of shit in the go. I'm starting this business for training and doing this, this, and this. And I was like, Andrew will do it because anyone who doesn't know Andrew, Andrew, 
I wouldn't say you're a YouTube sensation, but like locally, he puts a few God, videos. No. He started putting a video. Nobody watched. Barely anybody watched those videos. Man, I mean, there was I like even consistent with them, but uh, there was like a thousand <laughs> on the one. Anyways, long story short is no. Andrew went on normal Andrew rants on YouTube. I was like, this dude will do a podcast and he'll do well at it because he ha- he's a very smart guy that's deep in this industry. And so I called him and I basically was like, hey Andrew, how-? I think I messaged you while I was pulled over on the highway because I wasn't texting and driving, and I was like, hey. Do you want to, do you ever think about doing a podcast? You're like, uh, you should call me. And I called you like, no, seriously. Like, yeah, let's do it. And it was like literally that simple. It sounds super anticlimactic, but it was like, do you want to do a podcast? I'm listening to this shit. I told them very short stories. Like, yeah, it sounds good. I've been thinking about it for three months. I remember it was like three months. Like, okay, sweet. Um, should we talk about it? And of course, the good fortune is, is, I mean, you certainly have a bunch of great people. I mean, like, we're both friends with, I mean, he, we mentioned almost every episode. We, we didn't actually mention him in the no, chat or one, more, but our, our, our good buddy Dean Somerset. So we can mention him because he him. literally canceled on us tomorrow. So we have nothing to release, Dean, just to feel bad. No, it wasn't. Your I fault. think we, we should make this a running joke. We should make sure we mention him in every episode that we ever do. Yeah. Just like find an excuse. I think that should be really funny. And, I know he'd actually think it's funny. He wouldn't. He wouldn't I drive. I drive by Dean's house every night just to see if he's home, just to see if his lights on. Uh, he he's usually there. He has an office in the front window, so I can see him when I drive for there. Um, he's gonna he's gonna, be, he's gonna listen to this and be like, "Yeah, guys, I'm sorry. Uh, I won't be doing any more episodes with you." You know what we should do? We should go by his house and be like, "Are you really sick? Do you really want to do our podcast tomorrow?" And he's gonna be like, "He's gonna be like dancing," and be like, "You're not that sick, Dean. You could have did our podcast." You let us ah, hang in. No. You left us hanging. I, how about no, and how about we don't even say that we did on that one? Okay, we will. So we, 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 we've, got, we've got some really cool people. Like, you, yeah. know, you are friends with Brian Carroll. The goal is to have him on in the near future. Uh, we got Mark Fisher on. We got a whole bunch of really fucking spectacular people. So we between the two of us, we actually know a ton of really cool people. So it gave us a resource to reach out to a lot of awesome and people share with you guys who are listening. One, one of these things where I don't think people realize the back-end work that goes into us. I do a lot of the tech stuff, blah, 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 blah. Um, it's easy to me. But Andrew does a lot of the scripts. But Andrew is also, I call Andrew the pit bull to everyone else I talk to about around the podcast because literally a very good skill to have is he's almost fearless in his attempt to reach out to people to get them on the podcast. So without that... Um, I don't think I would have normally, under any circumstances, asked Mike Isertel to be on the podcast, asked Mark Fisher to be on the podcast, but he just, oh, I sent them an email, or oh, I sent them a message, and they're coming on. I'm like, what? We, we we sat down and had dinner with Mike, and wow. I asked him, and you're like... I was scared, Mike's man. Like, I'll do it tomorrow. Well, that's... Okay, that was an opening moment where I realized, okay, like a lot of these fitness people that we've looked up to are, are just normal dudes like us, and he was like... The story was Andrew was like, Andrew, I don't know if you were nervous about it, but you were like super like, you know what, Mike, nope. we're going to build up this podcast to like something that we're like, would be respectable and people can listen to it. And like, when that happens, I want to make sure that I reach out to you and that you do your podcast. And Mike's like, shut He like literally was like, shut up, motherfucker. I'll do your fucking podcast. What are you, are you talking about? Build it up. Like, I'll do it tomorrow. You need to do it. And we're like, what? What I said to him was, uh, no, not, not at all nervous. This sort of shit, not even afraid of it. I said to him, we've got work to do. And we that's have to earn it. Yeah, but, that's uh, what it was. Earn we'd, it. We'd love it if in the future he would do the podcast. He's like, earn it. Fuck that. He's like, I'll do it tomorrow. 
Yeah, so and he's like, he he's like, super. he's like, listen, man, I'll set you up with anyone in RP you need to. And who knows if he's actually not lying? But Mike's a pretty honest, dude. But he's just like, he was so open about it. Oh, and, he's and, like, up. and we're like looking at this dude, like, what? But like, Mike is the coolest dude ever. But to me, Mike is like this this industry leader who's like, God. I, I did the math. He's, he's like a multi-millionaire. He's like, no, man, I'm cool. He's like <laughs> sitting in, in his wife beater at a nice restaurant. Like, what an idiot. But. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah he's like yeah i'll do it i'm coming on and then sure as shit we send him a message he comes on and it was just like hey this shit ain't that hard i guess um and then that's kind of where it went off since then and just like bang 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 person after person it's like okay sweet we can talk to sweet people and get their message out get our message out to our audience and then this thing's growing crazy and it's it's funny i'll transition to the next point we're going to talk about like rubbing shoulders with this community of extraordinarily successful fitness industry people. It's great. It's fun. It's, it's a really great resource. But what we've also been doing is we started a mentorship group for a lot of newer, younger trainers in the yeah. industry. And a lot of our more established friends joined in and they want to be a part of it. So what we sort of have around us is a community of people who are in not in dissimilar places from where we are in terms of our career longevity, our success and where we are, who aren't again, rubbing shoulders with the guys who have been doing it for a decade and a half and are really, really successful. But what we've sort of done is we're pushing each other, challenging each other to be more successful. We've definitely made a, a concerted effort to get out more consistently on social media. Building a following is a critical thing for us because if you have more people who know who you are and are following what you're doing, A, that means potentially more business and more revenue long term, which is great, but more influence more reach and we can impact more people with the stuff that we love to do anyway. Yeah. I mean, if you have literally five clients, no social media presence, you're not really changing the world. Whereas, you know, some of our friends and, and, and contacts who just a few people who've done the episode. So he my sweet mother of God, this, this woman is doing profound things in the industry and she's got mainstream appeal and she's, getting people to have a much healthier relationship with their nutrition and their lifestyle. You've got Dr. Mike Isichel, who is doing profoundly successful things. And if you Mark Fisher is doing profoundly successful things and because they're out there and a lot of people know who they are, their brilliant ideas and contributions to our industry are changing and improving a lot of lives. They so heard. they get heard basically. And, and I don't care about fame. I'm not remotely interested in fame and, I, I'm very, very happy. I, I love money, but I don't worship it. I don't, I don't think about money in terms of a, you know, the ultimate goal and everything. But it'd be nice to have enough money to have a very comfortable yeah. life and be able to do some cool shit to help other people with that money. We have this fucked up culture where people demonize money and success yeah. now, and you have this culture of here's some Andy Frisella for you, the uh, the motherfucking CEO podcast. This guy talks about this shit. <laughs> yeah. We have this culture of kids that were brought up on participation trophies and, and all this shit. And then they get smacked in the face of the real world when they get out of high school. And we have this culture that devalues financial success, professional success. And I don't know what the fuck happened where going out there and working very, very hard and applying ideas and being entrepreneurial can going and earning a lot of goddamn money so you're paying a lot of taxes to support our society and well, <laughs> able to yeah. give to charities and do cool things when did this become a bad thing well like, I, I look it as like i simply I, I look at it like obviously i need to live and and 
keep my lifestyle, but it's, it's the freedom to have the choice to make choices. <laughs> you know what I mean? To be able to give to charity or to start this business that's going to help people or to just go spend it all. Like I want the opportunity to figure out what I want to do and then be able to fucking do it. And without money, a lot of those choices are narrowed down and that might be fine for some people, but I would like to have more choices personally. Like, yeah. And I think those choices is great. Like I look at, you know, like some of the year in review, let's just, let's talk about kind of the, the stuff that I've been able to celebrate this year. Uh, a couple days ago was the two year anniversary of me buying my home yeah. and my home is, it's a duplex, a very, very fucking beautiful duplex and not cheap at Edmonton, but, uh, it's my home. I love it. Me and my cat, Ozzy. Anyone doesn't know, he's been chilling out with me this whole time. You'd have a nice cat. Um, I don't like generally, I like cats, but like you have a very nice friendly cat, like, which I'll test super. to you raising him very well. Oh, Maybe. he's an ass. He bites, he bites me, but he knows that I'm the person he's allowed to bite. He doesn't bite me. He just <laughs> stares at them sometimes. You know, I, I got this really, really great place. I, I walk into I've got clients who have multi-million dollar homes that I've been in. And I've got fucking unbelievable or, or various homes I visited in the city. And I walk back into my home every night and I'm like, I really am grateful for this. I love this. This is perfect for me. I just in September bought a brand new Jeep Grand Cherokee, uh, which my vehicle had been 11 years old and it was nice enough, but it needed some work. It wasn't reliable. So. I got a very nice Jeep. I'll give you that. <laughs> I, I, I love that thing. And, you know, it's something I take pride in, and I worked very, very hard to earn it. I'm sitting down enjoying a bottle of, not an entire bottle, but I'm having a couple glasses of <laughs> Old Bond 14, and, and that's not we're, a... We're on the phone guy. before this shit, and <laughs> we're, like, talking about, like, hey... Like, this is not totally off the cuff, but it pretty much, I, I was like, send me the show notes, and I d- didn't even look at them. But I was like, oh, like, what are we going to talk about? Oh, I'll probably talk about this and this and this. He's like, oh, sweet, I can have some scotch with this. I was like, yeah, I guess I'm just going to call you. You could definitely have scotch. I don't have you any know, scotch. This is, something that, this is something that my grandfather, when I grew up, my grandfather was a successful doctor, prominent yeah. doctor in Newfoundland, and was, and God rest his soul, wonderful man. Uh, <laughs> he's a sarcastic old Irish doctor. And he always had a crystal glass of scotch in his hand when we were around him. So is that, is that the reason? That uh, it's, I suppose it's become sort of a, an affectation where it's something that reminds me of it. I, I love scotch. When I'll sit yeah. down and drink, as long as it's Highland, like that Isla stuff, but the really peaty, smoky stuff, that, that stuff's terrible. But you get a smooth Highland scotch, and it, this stuff is really amazing. Like I absolutely positively love it, but I think also I enjoy the experience because it's something that I equate with, with success. And it's also a reminder of, you know, my family heritage and, and some successful stuff there. And, uh, you know, the, some very fond memories of growing up. So, uh, for whatever reasons, it's something I've adopted and I really love it. See, the only thing I, I use that is like, that is coffee. I like really good coffee. Does that count? <laughs> no. I mean, here's the thing. Your coffee drinkers, like, where Jay Ashman give me shit for drinking, like, Starbucks French toast or whatever. Um, oh, and when Jay. I go down to Kansas City in May, <laughs> we'll Jay hang out. And coffee. <laughs> I hope he's listening. So, uh, then he'll mumble some swearing at us or whatever in his indecipherable fucking southern <laughs> accent, which is great. <laughs> Love you, Jay. <laughs> I, we'll have to tell him the listen to this one. We bet you. But, uh, yeah, like, I think. Coffee connoisseurs will look at coffee one way, and then anybody who's a really uh, appreciator of fine scotch will. Well, like, well, again, like to say it truly, it's whiskey. I mean, saying scotch is pretentious that's true. whiskey. But. And I like bourbon. Like, so I didn't. I like. I don't know what it is. Maybe my taste buds haven't figured it out. But I don't love scotch. I, I like bourbon. So I, I don't mm-hmm. know. Like weirdly enough, 
on the rocks. Yeah, I, would, I would prefer bourbon over I, whiskey. I got to try some bourbon. So, and of course, I mentioned Kansas City. So, uh, and I talk about this fairly frequently. So, this year, I got to go to two fitness conferences, one in May in Kansas City, which really was a game changer for me. I met a ton of really incredible people. Several of our guests, awesome people like Jay Ashman and Kelly Pretty Coffey. Much, you literally met the shit and out of that and got a lot of our podcast I, I, guests without knowing you were going to do that initially. Because I, that was way before. It wasn't, wasn't deliberate. I just jumped in there and, you know, a first person I met was my buddy Johnny P, who will we'll have him on the podcast eventually. And just one thing led to another. And I look around like, oh, there's fucking Nick Tuminello. And oh, shit, that's uh, Jen Sinclair. And, <laughs> and then just it steamrolled from there. And by the end of the, the weekend, I knew everybody, which was really cool. And that, that's a beautiful event. So I'm going back in May and I'm going to try to drag several of our friends and hopefully you can go. But then I saw this really cool event in Seattle at Luca Hosevar's Vigor Ground Summit in Renton, just outside of Seattle. And so I went down to that and that was really fucking cool. That was a different thing. That was, was a definitely more salesy. Uh, it was definitely a different focus, but it was a really cool opportunity. Definitely networked, which I value. I met a lot of really amazing people, like industry people. Like Adam Bornstein was there, Brett Bartholomew, who we mentioned earlier. Uh, just Luca, Luca's incredible. And reacquainted with guys like Pete Dupuis and Mark Fisher, who I consider friends because these two guys are fucking unbelievable people. And they're two of the, the owners and managers of two of the most successful gyms on the East Coast of the United States. Cressy Sports Performance and Pete Dupree's case and Mark Fisher Fitness, which is self-explanatory. So, yeah, it was cool. And I met a lot of the people going there. And it was just, it was just a privilege to be able to have the resources to travel these type of events. And so I've got a lot of new industry friends and connections. And one but of the it opened things, my eyes to so much stuff. Well, and one of the things I was going to say is that um, even when we talk to some of these people and the more and more people I meet, even locally, is that um, that big persona that you see when you think they're larger than life is that, and I've kind of alluded to this before, is that they're all normal people. Like they all literally come from very similar backgrounds to all of us because they kind of end up in this industry and be successful. And it, we all have very similar, um, I guess, upbringings in it. If you know what I mean? Like we're all rooted in the same things and the same interests. And I think you realize that when you meet these people, you have a lot in common and they're not as, um, crazy or built up as you kind of thought they were. They're not up on a pedestal. They're like right at your level and you can interact with them and it, it puts a different light on them. The vast majority are extraordinarily awesome down to earth normal people. Yeah. Like you mentioned Mike Gizertel and he's doing extraordinarily financially well. Mike, yeah. we hit it off with him. Like I don't throw the word friend around loosely but like, you know, Mike's a friend and he's just a fun, awesome down to earth guy. Hangs up his pajamas at home to go through his work that way. We didn't right? we didn't have the video on that, but dudes in his pajamas, like yeah. doing the podcast that we misscheduled that we thought was at night. He's like, or we thought it was in the morning. It was actually at night. He's like, oh, I'll just fucking do this right now. Like, really? And yeah. he's like in his pajamas, and we did this podcast. He's like, I might have to leave to play with my dog, but like we can do this. It was just like, okay, sweet. Anyone anyone listening to this, if you haven't heard the Mike Isertella episode, two things. One is he's the smartest man in the industry when it comes to. I think he's um, research research based information on muscle building. He's a brilliant he's meathead. Smart, brilliant meathead. Yeah. Uh, and he, there is no one even close to as funny as Mike Isco. It is our funniest episode. We've got some funny people. He still has to do a stand up. He, like he's like he's like Joe Rogan to me. Like he could literally. I bet off the cuff he could like do a stand up. I don't think he knows that, but it's probably not going to wow. get him much money because, and he's probably not his interest. But he should do it. I think I would pay to see it. Easily. I'd pay to see it too. I mean, fuck. Um, like we paid, he flew into L2. So 
Yeah. Let's, let's hit on this so that people know this stuff. Um, you know, L2, your gym, last year had the L2 Fitness Summit, the first annual, and yeah. we had Dean Somerset and my gears of tell present each Which had a whole day. Now, for, like, holy shit, day. right? And, and you know, these guys actually have, there's a video product, which you can find on Dean Somerset's social media, on my kids' social it's on media. on L2, too, I believe. It's on our website. L2s. Yeah, so it's everywhere. And the entire video recording of the two-day events, and you can buy it, which is pretty fucking amazing. We got to see it live, which is even better. And then we got to go to dinner with them afterwards. So, fuck you guys. Yeah, <laughs> that fuck was everyone awesome. else who didn't pay for it. Now, and honestly, like, I think we could have sold more. I just, uh, yeah, I don't think people realize the opportunity well, they had in next- that. Next year, I'm going to drag way more people to it. So next year, um, this coming September, I think it's we can't September. Say, we can't we, say anything. We can't say anything. We can't say who. We can't say who. Okay, that's true. But we can't say who. But we've got four very, very successful, big name industry people. Very big. Who like they're huge and hold on I met one I bet three out of four in person hung out with them they're fucking incredible Man, people. Shut up now. Okay, nothing. It's gonna be I, awesome. No one will know. Man, you've no listed one. everyone. If they wouldn't to listen to our podcast, that you've listed people. So there's I, like there's like I've a good met, list of twenty that they can dominate. I've met a million. I've, I've met a million of these people. So anyway, lots. Who's gonna fucking guess this shit? I mean, Landon's gonna be like Andrew. Shut up. Yeah, he'll be fine. <laughs> Landon would have guessed it. <laughs> For sure. Because <laughs> Landon's the one who got them all. Landon probably know. wrote down all the people. If he wanted to like, figure out, he could write down all the people. Like he, Landon's very smart, too. My, one of the way He's the only one he who would figure, figure it out. Anyway, irrelevant. Yeah. Point being is four really awesome people. We're going to do it all again next year. And I'm going to drag a shit ton of people to it. So that's going to be really, really super. So if you're a trainer in the Abinson area, you're going to want to keep an eye on this. And when it's officially announced, you're going to squeal like a little girl because you're going to be excited to find out who's coming. Um, with that, honestly, like we're coming up on an hour, man. I think that, uh, did you have any, you know what? Let's, I'm going to end this because I think that knowing now, no, knowing that we did this, like we, I didn't, we didn't even hit some of the points that we were going to talk about. We kind of hit some of it. Um, but I think that we could do more of this because this was really easy we'll and we didn't, we didn't, we didn't even really, we'll pre- we didn't do anything. It was just off the cuff. Andrew's like, did you read the script? I'm like, no, I was fucking working all day. I didn't even look at it once because I was stressed out that the fucking podcast didn't work. But what book are you reading right now? And um, <laughs> tell us a little bit about that. I don't know if I got the question right, but. He flipped my question on me. I, every podcast I ask people about books. Yeah, I okay. got it. So um, I am currently reading three books. Uh, one is <laughs> I listen to audiobooks and I go through them re- very, very quickly. So I'm listening to a book called Tribes by uh, an author named Seth Godin, who's one of my favorites. It's really just a book about you know, modern ideas about leadership and the unconventional but new dynamic of leadership versus management where now the internet especially is a very powerful tool where you can create a group of like-minded people and you can position yourself as a leader amongst those people and have a great deal of influence. So without going further in that, it's just really cool. It's definitely something that uh, fitness professionals would probably benefit from who are trying to reach more people, create more influence, and create a dynamic community around themselves. Yeah. Uh, the second book I'm reading is a fantasy fiction novel that is my true favorite. Uh, it's the first book of the Elenium Trilogy called Diamond Throne by David Eddings. It's one of my true favorites. So if you're a... Uh, George R. R. Martin fan who likes the Wheel of Time. Uh, sorry, no, no, sorry, not, Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. <laughs> then, then, uh, yeah, Eddings is is not dissimilar with Hobbit and Lord of the Rings or Wheel of Time by Robert Jordan, which is a pseudo, it's a nom de plume for some other name. 
Uh, if you like this sort of stuff, yeah, Eddings' work is fine. That's fantasy fiction. No one gives a shit about that. It's just a guilty pleasure. And I said, I'm taking a break from all this other shit. Yes. And then I'm actually reading reading a book called uh, Anti-Fragile by Nas- Nassim Nicholas Caleb, who is an arrogant, blowhard, uh, <laughs> self-important, obnoxious, pompous ass. But he's just one of the most complicated writers I've ever read. There's a lot of really great ideas in this book. It's... It's about being resilient against like a lot of the shit that goes on in the world that makes you very fragile to unexpected events. So I'll give you a quick example. You have the person who has the office job, secure salary, pension, all that sort of stuff. Even you feel very, very safe. Whereas you use the example in the book and then there's this brother who's a taxi driver who doesn't know where his next cab fare comes from. Who's always worried. The truth is the, the illusion of security within the job you possess is very much an illusion. You could be um, let go. You could be laid off or, God forbid, fired any time. And then you're fucked. <laughs> Quite frankly, <laughs> you're totally fucked. And then you're scrambling. Your security is an illusion. Whereas the taxi driver who is, and, and we're trainers. We're like this with clients. Uh, you know, it can be unpredictable. I mean, tomorrow, all of my clients could walk in and say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm done in the very near future and I'm spamming. But a, com- a comic could come through Evolve and blow the whole yeah. place up. Yeah, sure, absolutely. But, and I could take my business to a city gym or somewhere else. Like, I mean, I'm a resilient. So there's a book about more resiliency against the stuff that could happen. Yeah. But that taxi driver or us as a trainer, let's say a client says to me tomorrow, hey, I'm not going to be continuing past next week. Okay, well, then I have the ability to work a little harder to generate some more referrals or fill up my schedule where I cannot in one swoop be removed from my livelihood. Does that make sense? Whereas someone who is terminated from a job uh, for a big company, salary position can very much be denied their security very, very quickly and rapidly. And this sort of thing nearly happened to me with the old company yeah. uh, to no fault of my own. I mean, again, I don't play well with others, and there's definitely stuff I did to contribute to the escalating situation. Well, that's that whole Maslow's Triangle mean? bullshit with security yeah. being one of them. If if your whole security is lined up in your job, like your one job, and there's nothing outside of that, like that's a pretty fucking weak building block, I guess you could say. Yeah. So, bottom line is, I mean, this book is not for the faint of heart by any stretch of imagination. But the underlying idea is quite profound, and it, it gets into some really intellectual shit. So I've been a little bit slow going through it. Hits the other books, yeah. But at the very least, I'm reading it. So I think um, I was like one book, and you gave me three, man. And you're reading three books, and you're that busy at work. You're crazy, man. That is what it is. Here's here's what I do. I listen to podcasts or audiobooks when I am cooking, when I am driving, when I am doing like regular everyday mundane shit that I got to do anyway. Yeah. So I'm not taking up any of my You're being time. efficient with your time. Like, extremely, yeah. I'm layering things together so that way the the effort to at least listen to all the audio stuff takes no time away from napping on the couch or, and I don't watch television very often. I really, truly don't. I'm, like I said, I was poking the expanse earlier, but taking forever to get through that. Or time with friends or even my work stuff. <laughs> it's just the stuff that I'm already going to do anyway. So therefore, let's add some audio yeah. and education to it. And again, like I said, that's how I listen to podcasts. I like to consume. So I do I, that I, driving. Tons of yeah, like twenty minutes on each end. And if I go home in between, if I have a big enough break, is like that's potentially up to like work. an hour of of podcast. That's one big one a day. 
And anyone who is not sedentary and works from home, guess what? If you're driving or you're on a bus or yeah. something, and you can plug, you know, you download your podcast episodes or your audiobook, you hook it into your Bluetooth because virtually everything is Bluetooth now, or put in your headphones or whatever the fuck it is, and listen to it and enjoy this stuff because this goes to a basic principle that I believe in that every day you should devote a little bit of time and effort into self education, self-development, because maybe right now you're sitting here listening to this because you're a fitness enthusiast, but you're in a job that you're not passionate about. You don't love it. But what you could be doing is you could be using the extra time to acquire skills and knowledge that maybe you could apply to something that you're really passionate about later on. I mean, where I am right now with my fitness career did not start the first day I stepped into the gym to work. It started with a lot of stuff I learned prior to that, that had the staff at that gym relentlessly poke at me on the floor saying, hey, you should come work with us. That's how that all started, like seven years ago. Um, to, what are you reading, Dean? Uh, well, I'm getting, I guess I'll tell you a book. I'm eating, um, eating. You want to go to bed. I'm not eating <laughs> my brain. I'm eating. I'm actually reading a book called Never Eat Alone. Which is just, I don't even know. I'm not like you. I don't remember all the authors' names, but it was, it's a, one of the biggest um, networkers of all time, I guess. He, he's been a CEO of like four different companies. And anyways, long story short, it's about networking and, and how to build your network, how to reach out to people. Kind of all the shit we've talked about and how we built this podcast, but it kind of gives you strategies on how to go to seminars or conferences and how to kind of just increase that spider web of, of people that you know and then not necessarily get things from them but be a facilitator or help or receive and how to kind of navigate those fields and it's just basically i think as i haven't even read the whole thing but it's a must read for someone who is going to be in an industry where you have to connect with people to be successful and that's it i don't have any deeper meaning of it other than it's been awesome i pulled a lot out of it but i've also kind of attached a few things that I've kind of done to be successful and I guess I intuitively did it and it kind of just highlights some of the things that I've done to why I'm so successful or have been successful and I'm just going to kind of do more of that because of it so it's kind of cool it's good because it's directly impactful on what I'm doing and kind of what we're doing as a greater whole right now with our group our trainer group and with trying to get more attention it's just going to be a great asset. Well, it's on my wish list of uh, books I'm going to download. It's easy to read, too. It's really easy I'm gonna, it's easy. Well, I'm going to bump it to the top of the list. It's by Keith Ferrazzi and yeah. Paul Raz. And I don't I don't know exactly his background, but he basically, he, he well, I do know his background, but he became CEO, and then he became CEO of a bunch of companies, but he's basically a blue-collar guy that became super white-collar, but just figured out a knack for networking. And he basically just took a different approach to it than other people. Like for instance, he would get his executive assistant to put up one page profiles based on LinkedIn and all these other things of all these people at the conference that he needs to meet. And he would study them and then go meet these people and he'd have information that he could connect with. So he took conferences and meetings to like a whole different level in terms of he was using them to increase his network and not be that guy that just kind of doesn't have anything to say or doesn't want to make contact with people and he kind of reached out and found people and i wouldn't say he attacked them but he definitely he didn't go in there blind and stupid so he had a mission and he he would accomplish it and it's kind of a cool way of thinking of it because 
that's half the battle with it is like, do you want to be that wallflower who doesn't get anything done at these conferences? Or do you want to be like you who met, let's just say 20 people. And now that 20 people has increased your opportunity by like tenfold from one conference. So you can monetize that value in a $300 conference now has earned you, let's say 20 extra thousand dollars. Like That's a huge investment that people don't think. They think they go to conferences to learn and listen to speakers when really it's the networking that's the huge thing of it. So anyways, that's my story. And I don't think I quite understood that. Talk about the conferences I went to earlier when I first went down to the Kansas City one, but yeah. the value has been there more than anything else. Yeah. Some of the some of the specifics of the presentations are a little lost, a little muddy. I took a lot away from it, to be honest. But just the the relationships that I have fostered from this, I have great friends that I've met in these situations, and uh, there's a lot of really cool stuff that's come from it, and it's going to pay major dividends in the long run. So, right. Yeah. Listen, listen, no, listen, I, listen, I love the idea of the book. Listening to some, basically, he alluded. He's like, not that you can't learn anything, but you got a twenty minute or a forty minute presentation. How much are you going to really learn when? That's like a little piece of the puzzle in terms of maybe it's a little inspirational. It'll help you out. But like those conferences aren't necessarily about the people speaking. They can be, but no. it's mostly about like what can you get out of it in terms of your network. And that could be anything that could grow your business that could grow, you know, what um, favors to like whatever, right? Like it's just how you use that is up to you, but use them to their advantage because you're paying to be there. Why just be a spectator essentially? Absolutely. That's a small so, part of the book, but um, we are short on time, my friends. This so, is gonna be the longest uh, one. So we we basically rambled and yeah. talked for an hour and twelve an minutes. Hour so and do you want to do the review of us? If any, if you've actually listened well, to it this far and you've actually listened to this shit, great. <laughs> what you should do is go over to our Facebook you. page. Yeah, we love you, but you should love us and like our face face Facebook page. You should go rate us on iTunes. I think iTunes is the biggest thing for the algorithm. Is that yeah. that gets us in front of people. Um, you know what, throw us a pity five star, you know what, if you really want to be throw pity, give us a good review in terms of getting on your keyboard and writing shit down. You can also, I learned based on that CEO podcast that you can actually go to the update on the iPhone and you can go right into the music app and review it right from there. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Guys, we really appreciate all of the support to this point. Anyone who's listening to this part right now knows I would turn it off by the way. We know that you've been really loyal to us and we really appreciate it. Uh, we have a lot more really cool stuff coming up. We have a lot of really great guests. We're going to pump these out uh, one to two a week as we're able to. We've got a lot of cool people lined up over the holiday season and in January, some big names. Not going to tell you who just yet. But the way that you can help us the most, like Dean said, one is a five-star review on iTunes. is great. But also share one particular episode you love with someone that you know who you think would really enjoy that episode be it you know mike is a tells knowledge and a muscle building and his comedy or kelly coffee getting into a lot of the stuff about self-sabotage and a lot of battles that a lot of people face or so he leaves episode about finding moderate behavior within a an industry that preaches extremism uh, or so many other episodes like, just try your personal favorite, share with someone. It helps us a ton. We really appreciate it. So you guys have an amazing night. Thanks for hanging out with us in uh, an hour bullshit episode tonight. Yeah, fuck. And it's going to be released in 31 minutes. Peace. <laughs> Peace out. Shut up and sit down. Shut up and sit down.